All right, uh, we are here with Joshua Macy. Joshua is a postdoctoral fellow. Is that the correct title, Josh? Yep. Uh, for a few more days, then I'll be a visiting assistant professor. Okay, so postdoctoral fellow as we speak, but about to be visiting assistant professor at Cornell Law School. Um, Joshua graduated from Yale College, has his law degree also from Yale, and you have another graduate degree. I assume it's a graduate degree from London School of Economics. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. Well, thanks very much for sitting down to talk to us today. Thank you. I want to talk about an article of yours that isn't out yet. It's called Rate Regulation Redux. It's going to be coming out in the Pennsylvania Law Review in 2020. And it and it tackles a problem that's quite topical, one that's come up in several of the other conversations on this energy trade-offs website. Namely, how to ensure a reliable supply of electricity in competitive wholesale markets as lower marginal cost resources like first gas and now more, more commonly renewables are comprising a larger percentage of the generation mix on these, in these markets. And as a corollary, how uh, the FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the RTOs may be getting the process of addressing that problem wrong. So that's, that's what your article's about, and that's why I think it's uh, particularly topical for us to talk about here. So why don't we start by talking about the nature of the problem that these entities are trying to address. What is it that gives rise to the problem of ensuring reliable supply in these competitive electricity markets? Economists have for quite some time worried about something called the missing money problem, which uh, is basically the concern that in competitive markets, you won't be able to compensate generators that are necessary for reliability if you let competitive processes work. You need, let's say, six times a year, uh, you need uh, three natural gas plants to provide electricity when it's 120 degrees in Texas. Generators will, will usually bid a competitive price but when there's really scarcity, they'll theoretically be able to increase prices to the point that even though they're only operating six times a year, they could recover costs. The challenge is that um, regulators don't allow generators to bid up to, to bid astronomically high prices in the few times of the year when they're necessary. The problem is that those generators have market power. They can uh, they they might be liable to abuse their position because they know that they're essential to reliability. And so the way that every regulator in the country responded was to implement price caps. The problem is that if you have price caps, um, because they can't increase their bids so much, they, they might not be able to recover their, their costs. And so my view and that of my co-authors, Jackson Salavara, is that there's actually a, a revenue adequacy concern there's a pressure for regulators to uh, have these out of market or other mar to develop other markets to compensate the generators they perceive to be necessary for reliability. Regulators really do not seem to be prepared to allow unfettered markets that they are deeply concerned about market power abuses. And so they implement price caps, but they're equally concerned about not having enough generators in the market to provide electricity all the time. And so as a result, they um, look for other ways to make sure generators actually stay in business that are needed for reliability. So as uh, renewables and natural gas to a lesser extent 
have very low marginal costs. Um, and as the ratio of, of fixed costs to, to marginal costs increases, you have higher fixed costs and, and, and lower marginal costs, you end up with, with a challenge that total revenues from energy markets decrease unless those moments of scarcity, uh, your price caps increase to allow cost recovery in those moments. And yeah, so, so yeah. In, in northeastern markets, the, one of the solutions to this has been capacity markets, paying, paying generators for having capacity available irrespective of whether they sell power. And so your paper um, goes, in, goes into some detail about sort of how those capacity markets are operating in ways uh, that can disadvantage renewables unnecessarily and how the, the RTOs and FERC in some cases are um, offering justifications for that based upon what they say are state actions that distort the capacity markets. Can you unpack that argument a little bit for us? Broadly speaking across the country, um, energy market prices have declined 30 to 50 percent since 2006, depending on, on where you go. Uh, grid operators, especially uh, on the East Coast, have relied increasingly on capacity markets to make up the missing money. And so in PJM and, and ISO New England, uh, capacity markets have gone from providing about 5% of revenues to cl uh, around 30% in that, in that time period. Our view in the paper is that one, capacity markets are, Ill are sort of a, a blunt instrument. Two, uh, regulators have turned to specific interventions that exclude uh, renewables or make it difficult for renewables to compete in capacity markets, and I'll return to those in a second. And three, they've used reliability must-run agreements or RMR agreements to effectively bail out generators that regulators perceive to be necessary to reliability, despite the fact that they would be uneconomic if they relied on capacity markets. Um, so the, the specific interventions that... Um, that have excluded renewables are generally called a minimum offer price rule, uh, which is that grid operators have said, if you get support from a state, you should be, you have to bid a certain amount and the regulator will say, these are your real costs and your bid into a capacity market cannot be below these real costs. So it effectively counterbalances uh, state subsidies that are a little bit more complicated than that. But the basic idea is that the regulator rather than the, the market participant will determine the market participants costs or what they should be allowed to bid into capacity markets and will say, you have to bid above this. And it looks like that would have the effect of keeping renewables out of capacity markets or sort of forcing them to pay, uh, fossil fuel generators that clear capacity markets to, to let the renewable take the place of the fossil fuel generator. Um, grid operators have claimed that uh, the reason the, for these minimum offer price rules is that uh, they're necessary to counterbalance uh, the state. They, they don't say they're necessary to counterbalance the state subsidies, but they say that market integrity is sort of the, the key word they use or investor confidence. Um, are uh, the MOPERS are necessary to preserve that. The, the language that, that grid operators and FERC seem to be using sort of harkens back to a former era of, of public utility or rate regulation in which 
regulators actually um, insured or a rate of return. My co-author and I think this is in tension with the, the normal way uh, at least financial regulators think about uh, market, market integrity and investor confidence. And there's another issue you, you touch on here, which would be of interest to energy lawyers who might be listening, and, and that is whether or not this practice interferes with uh, state jurisdiction to control uh, the generation mix. Uh, the, the issue that sort of we, we associate with the recent Hughes case that the Supreme Court decided, um, you worry a little bit about a, a sort of erosion of state authority through, through this mechanism, don't you? The, the, the Federal Power Act runs a delicate jurisdictional line. Um, FERC is responsible for wholesale rates, but the Federal Power Act, Section 201, reserves authority over generation to the states. So as capacity markets become such an enormous uh, percentage of generator revenue, and as state efforts to... Um, favor generators with characteristics they, they, they care about are undermined by these capacity markets. It begins to look like uh, FERC is, is, is violating that jurisdictional line, the, the Federal Power Act's jurisdictional line. FERC also has a mandate to uh, make sure that rates are not unduly discriminatory. And, and this is less of, the second issue is not as much a federalism issue, but it, is important because if FERC is claiming that MOPERS are necessary to counterbalance state subsidies, but there's not actually a reliability justification for these uh, administrative interventions, then it seems that it, it, it may simply be brazenly discriminating against the resources that FERC, for whatever reason, doesn't prefer. Um, alternatively, if there's Another market intervention that FERC or the grid operators could uh, devise that would have the exact same or even be more reliable than these capacity market interventions, um, then it's, it, it, it seems a sort of Pareto optimal. Everyone would be better off if it had this less uh, expensive intervention that was equally reliable. And the, the only explanation um, that, that seems sensible is that there are certain resources grid operators simply want to make sure exist, despite the fact that they don't improve reliability. Yeah, and you suggest that, that there is an alternative that it would, would uh, be Pareto superior, to borrow your phrasing, um, that, and would be less discriminatory, or there are alternatives that would be less discriminatory against renewables and would still ensure reliability and take a more sophisticated view of what reliability means. Can you describe a little bit about what you say there? The reason energy markets are so much more effective than capacity markets is that they actually send a price signal at the very moment someone needs something for the thing that one needs. The challenge is that they don't seem to provide the, the kind of insurance that regulators and grid operators want. And um, you can sort of formalize the economics behind this by pointing out that the um, the, the supply curve is, is often in energy markets very steep. So a slight error in a, a regulatory decision about how much to compensate uh, generators in energy only markets can end up with uh, really missing the mark on, on the amount of reserves in a market. 
and arguably that's going on in Texas right now because Texas's reserves are very low, uh, and Texas as, as energy only or approximates energy only markets. But our view is that um, the load serving entities who actually are, are, are selling electricity to end users, they should be responsible for procuring an energy mix that satisfies the various qualities that uh, grid operators want. And you could tranche or divide this into different tiers uh, so that if a state has a renewable requirement, the, the, um, the load serving entity would uh, make sure it had enough renewables to satisfy that. There could be a capacity tranche uh, that would ensure that the load serving entity had procured enough electricity to just hit a basic reserve margin. There might be a flexibility tranche. Another challenge with renewables uh, is, is that as the resource mix changes, uh, you, you might need certain generators that can turn on and off quickly or that can operate for certain periods of time. And so instead of treating all availability to provide electricity the same, the load serving entities would prospectively identify resources that would meet all of the various requirements that um, that grid operators and, and FERC think that they need to meet, but they would also be able to make sure that uh, those tranches worked well together. So if, if it turned out that in New England where offshore wind uh, could have a high capacity factor because it um, it offshore wind tends to provide electricity when New England most needs it, which is during winter storms, uh, they might be able to use that uh, not simply to satisfy their, their renewable tranche, but also other parts. And then the key uh, part of our proposal, I think, is that the LSCs should, despite, they would prospectively procure the resources that they need, but they should face a large penalty when the generator, and that they could pass on to the generator when the generator fails to actually um, provide the service it's committed to providing. Our, our approach could work either if the transmission line, the, the, the utility that owns and operates transmission lines did this, or the retail companies themselves. Our preference is for the retail companies to do this, um, but in some regions like MISO, where there's a lot of vertical integration, that might be challenging, and it would be also be feasible to have the transmission lines do it. Yeah, I think the WOLAC proposal is to put it on retailers in a market like Texas, but, yeah. but, but let me just go back. So, so the... The proposal to to put this um, the onus for procuring these services, these capacity and uh, flexibility and, and and clean capacity services, these three tranches you su suggest, yeah. putting the onus on the load serving entity and making these you know, creating a sort of competitive process. This would replace the sort of ad hoc decision making by RTOs to sort of you know like sign a reliability must run agreement with the Mystic gas fired plant in New England um, and introduce some sort of competitive pressure and keep the eye, keep your eye on the ball, which is that we want a, a sort of specific set of qualities or characteristics to be satisfied in the system uh, and, and make that a competitive procurement. Is that a fair way of summarizing your recommendation here? That's, that's absolutely fair. And, and, and one of the reasons I think Wolak is right to generally prefer um, retailers uh, is, is that, they are less likely to be able to rate base um, their their costs, and so they are going to be more sensitive to their own costs. Um, 
and 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 but that's that as a general matter that's absolutely correct um uh that these load serving entities are actually uh are likely to be much more responsive they will want to reduce their own costs and so if they have an incentive if their own bottom line is is reliant on um their ability to keep the costs of uh balancing reliability and uh clean energy standards and flexibility uh there they are likely to find a lower cost way of doing that and to um uh when renewables are capable of uh providing the services that that they need to 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 let them do so rather than to um let reliability concerns be sort of the concern that trumps all other concerns yeah on the other hand you know if they're in a competitive retail area where they're competing with other companies on price it's really important that the mechanism you described earlier the penalty for not performing be enough of an incentive that it keeps the lights on yeah and i think um the the hope is that those penalties would be pretty onerous that retailers would really internalize uh the cost of failing to 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 honor their commitments um well um yeah so i i really look forward to seeing this in print it's um it's an interesting analysis and i think it complements a number of the other conversations we've been having on the website so i appreciate you being willing to sit down and talk to us about it well thank you so much for for speaking with me david